Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. We wanted to take a day just to talk on family and the importance of our children. And, and, uh, and this is a day for everyone because you need to know God sees everyone. And sometimes in a service, we don't actually don't see the kids that are in here, but that doesn't mean the kids are out of sight, out of mind. They are not just doing church uh, program today, they're doing church today. You know, this isn't our first service of the week. Our first service of the week starts on Friday night when our teenagers get together and they do church. We call it youth, but the truth is it's church. And for every person, including every young person, but I wanna say this to everyone today, God sees you. Whether you're in church for the first time or the 500th time, God sees you. And, and uh, this is outside of my message, but I felt to share it. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit put this on my heart this morning. There's a woman in the Bible called Hagar. And Hagar is a, is a slave girl. She does not come from an affluent or prosperous background. And Hagar is in some ways used and Hagar falls pregnant. Hagar has a child with a man called Abraham and, 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 and then Hagar is rejected. Hagar is, runs into the desert and doesn't know if she's going to live. And then God speaks to her. And when God speaks to her, before we get to this point in Scripture, she's only referred to by the people she did life with as slave or, or, or your servant or your slave girl. But when God speaks to her, do you know what God's first word to her was? Hagar. He says her name. And then God promises to take care of her and love her. And, 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 and then we go a little bit on in the journey and we see Hagar pray. And do you know how Hagar prays? She says this, this name she gives to God, Elroy. Everyone say Elroy. That word Elroy means the God who sees. Very good. See, he sees more than circumstance. Right. He sees more than nationality. Right. He sees more than personality. He sees more than history. He sees more than the label. He sees more than what you can see about your future. God sees you. And she actually is the only person, male or female, Jew or Gentile, in Scripture that names God personally. So the one that feels like no one sees her, that's in a circumstance that feels like there is no future, that seems like everything has gone wrong, she recognised that God sees her. Her. And I wanna say to you, from the youngest person to the oldest person, no matter what your circumstance are, is God sees you today. Do you believe it? And He sees children. When we go to the Bible, and in the first century Bible times, can I say, when it came to children, children were not only out of sight, out of mind in those days, is very different to today. Children were seen as property of the parents. They actually weren't given value and they didn't get given value in society until they became an adult and they could contribute something until they became mature. So Jesus is talking and teaching and doing life and Jesus is busy. 
his schedule is full. Jesus seems to run at quite a pace and travel quite a bit and speak to quite a number of people and has quite an important mission. So as he's teaching, all of a sudden in Mark chapter 10, 13, it says, all of a sudden, people were bringing the little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples had a culture clash. The disciples were just doing what the rest of the world did. They saw children as everyone did. They saw Jesus' tiredness and weariness and busyness and fullness as an obstacle to what Jesus was there to do. And the disciples rebuked the parents and the grandparents. When Jesus saw this, he, I love this, he was indignant. It's a great word. He said to them, to the disciples, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone will not receive the kingdom of God, like anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. He didn't bless them when they could contribute. He didn't bless them because they could add value in a, in a way that everyone else esteemed. He just saw them for who they were. He stopped everything else that was going on and he went against the rest of culture and he blessed them. He is El Roy. He is the God who sees. Amen. Jesus loves and gives value and gives dignity and gives honour to children. In fact, when you look at, see this, you see for Jesus and our Father, and I wanna apply this to children today, but I want every one of us to apply, that needs to apply it to them. You need to hear this today. You and they are never an inconvenience to God. And to have childlike faith is to also understand that when you have a need or you have a request or you need to keep going to God, you are never an inconvenience to God. They are never a bother, they are a blessing. In fact, this is so important. For every person that doesn't feel worthy, Jesus welcomes. And if you're here and you feel that I'm not worthy to relate to God, that's not how He sees you. And when you feel that merely you don't have worth or you're just existing or you're almost just like property, I'm just like a chair in the room, no one even sees me, you need to know to everyone that everyone else thinks no one sees them, to the person that is the most rejected, to the person that lives in the wilderness, to the person that feels like a slave to whatever circumstances, I wanna say He is the God who sees and you are worthy, amen? That's how He sees kids. He welcomes them. He makes time for children. He sees them, he loves them, and he chooses them. I love that. When everything is going on, Jesus chooses them. In fact, Jesus says, you and I need to see the kingdom of God like a child and to trust and have dependence on God. Maybe even now, some of you thinking, I oh, was gonna talk about kids today. I came to get meat. I came to get deeper. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Today, just position yourself like a child. Because what we do is we put God in a box. 
and we put church in a box and we work out already how it's gonna be, how God's gonna respond, how God acts. We've worked Him out. We've figured Him out. We've figured how He moves. We've figured how a service runs. we figured how things happen. Uh, we talked about this when David brought the presence of God he, uh, into Jerusalem. He put God in a box led by an ox. And that's sometimes what we do. We get God and we put Him in a box and we bring Him in in a natural way and God wants to reverse our thinking because He wants you to have a childlike wonder when it comes to your faith. He wants you to have childlike faith. He, sometimes what we do is we lose our awe. We lose our wonder. I wonder how many of us came into church today and went through the motions, got ready for church, jumped in the car, and we didn't come in with expectation and wonder for what could God do today? Because I already worked out what God's gonna do today. Maybe you feel like, why are we doing it all about families today? I didn't come for a family service because you've already boxed what the church is gonna be like. Don't do it. Come with awe and faith and wonder. That leads to joy and delight and innocence and the simplicity of faith which stops us going through the motions. This is why it's so important we have children near us and children with us, because kids give you wonder. I say, I love Christmas. But I tell you, Christmas does this. It's exciting as a kid. It's okay as a teenager. It's another kind of day when you get married. And then it's amazing when you have kids again. It's amazing how kids give wonder. Families matter to God. And by the way, next week, Come, because we're gonna start a series called The Promised Life and we're gonna talk about God's promises for your life and we're gonna teach you how to understand what is a, a promise in the Word, but how to get a rhema word for your life. Pastor Tony's gonna teach you what a rhema word is and you're gonna hear a rhema definition like you've never heard in your life before. And so he's gonna teach it, explain it, pull it out in these next weeks to help you understand how to know when God's given you a promise and hold on to it, amen? But family, families all the way through the Bible. The word brothers referred just in the New Testament 139 times. Father, 63 times. Inheritance, 19 times. Son, 17 times. Children, 39 times. Paul refers to family in his writings around 250 times. You cannot read the Bible without family. And by the way, often when you see the word family, it means I. Uh, our personal home family life, but it means a tight-knit community. That's why when we say the church is meant to be family and we talk about this with family, because this fits in the Bible definition of family, we are a tight-knit community doing life together. So if you're a family here today, today is for you. And if you want a family, today is for you. And if you're believing for a family, let today stir faith in you that that child is coming in Jesus' mighty name. And if you're a grandparent here today, your role is not over. And maybe you're a young person who thinks being married is ick and you just wanna be single forever and live with your mates and play PlayStation and drink Prime and never wear a shirt. I'm describing my youngest child, Jordan, and travel around Australia in a combi. They're gonna tell you, the church and people need you to be a big brother, a big sister, an auntie and uncle for them. So, so what happens when someone gets near the end of their life is that person just focuses on what's most important. And in my role, I've had the privilege of walking with many people at the end of this journey before they graduate into eternity. And it's there, as they get to the end of their life, they are completely honest. Because all there is is just to 
make these moments matter. And they are truthful and honesty because there's nothing to lose at that point. And they focus there at what matters most. In the book of Joshua chapter 24, we get to Joshua's last declarations. Joshua, Moses led God's people out of slavery, but Joshua created family. You see, they were wandering under Moses, but under Joshua, they got a home. Under Joshua, they built houses. Under Joshua, they got land. Under Joshua, they fought for their family and established family. So Joshua was able to set up family for God's people. And he gets to one of his last statements in Joshua 24, 15. And it says this. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, then choose for yourself this day who you're gonna serve. I love it. He's not mincing words. He's talking to his people. He's like, you know what? You have to choose for your home how you're gonna do it. However you do it is over to you. I can't be in your home. I can't hold your hand. Hey, I'm about to graduate. So then you choose for yourself today who you're gonna serve, whether the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates or the God of the Amorites in whose land you're living. He's saying, hey, if TikTok's gonna raise your kids, let TikTok raise your kids. Uh, if, that YouTube, uh, cele- if that YouTube celebrity's gonna raise them, he's gonna raise them. If their friends are gonna do it, their friends are gonna, hey, I, I'm not gonna be here. Let it be the world you live in. But as for me, everyone say me. me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I mean, I've got dreams and ideas and thoughts and desires for my love. I mean, I love this church and I, and I can't, but I'm believing to see in, in my time tens of thousands or more of people find Jesus and, and to impact communities and, and see people raised up and, and to plant more churches and, and for our home. I'm, I'm believing for our future homes and, and maybe one day to have an investment home. And, and man, I want to take my family on holidays. And, and, and Chance has been talking about Greece for 10 years and I'm believing that for one day. And there's all those things that I want to do. But I tell you, when it gets to that day where I'm about to leave this earth, the one thing that'll matter above everything will be, do my kids love Jesus? And will their, by then, their grandkids and possibly great, my grandkids and great grandkids, whoa, will they have a relationship with God even better than me? Their eternity is gonna matter way more than my comfort. So we get to the start of Joshua 24, and it's because this is what, you know, as you get older, you give a history lesson. So Joshua reminds everyone before uh, he says this passage, gives them a history lesson. Let me give you one right now. Over half of our world right now, over half of the world's population is under 25. So it's a young world. And research has shown in for Australia, that the generation growing up right now, they are the first generation that will grow up in Australia with no memory of growing up in church, of having any connection with church on the whole. Um, This generation faces things that my generation never had to. Like the average father in Australia today spends less than six minutes of quality time with their kids a day. Quality time. They interact, They, they maybe eat, they talk, but six minutes of quality time. Can I say something for a moment? Because so often through media and life, the role of the father gets rubbished. And I wanna say, dads, you matter. You do. You really do. 
And I totally understand there are some, oh, there are some amazing mums here and, 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 and you are. And some amazing mums doing it on your own and we love you and pray for you. But I say, dads, you matter in the home too. You know, you matter so much that Joseph, Jesus' non-biological father was about to jump out of the situation. He was about to get out of there too hard. And the father matters, even if it wasn't Jesus' biological father, the father matters so much in the unit that the Lord sent an angel to convince Joseph to be present. He wouldn't let him go because the role of the dad matters. And somehow we've got a culture clash that happens today where the dad feels like I've just got to be the provider and, and we can work ourselves to exhaustion that I've got nothing left to give our family. And you might give them an inheritance naturally, but not, you're missing out on one relationally and spiritually. And, uh, and sometimes we feel like I can't connect because my dad never connected with me. You get to choose for you in your house. And it's never too late. And maybe, and maybe you feel like, maybe they're adults now. It's never too late. It's never too late to try and to believe and to keep on. But for those that have a chance right now, you matter. And you may have been rejected and you may feel like a failure. And all the things that the world pushes into your mind and into your spirit, that is a lie. But let me tell you, be there and love them. Be there and love them. Be there and love them. It makes a difference. Yeah, kids today are on age, uh, the average child is reaching uh, puberty two years earlier than they did in my generation. Two years earlier. The awareness, the understanding of the things that they should never have an awareness on. In this tech age, face-to-face socialisation is dropping dramatically. But the rise in mental illness and suicide in young people is increasing rapidly. 49% of marriages in Australia today, 50% will end in divorce. It's an attack on the unit. A kid every year will spend 2,555 hours on, on TVs, phones, PlayStation, 2,555. Of the kids that go to church, they will spend 40 hours in church. They're the kids that go. Of the kids that go, they spend 40. 2,555 on a screen. But there's one thing that hasn't changed. Every generation still needs Jesus. Our children need Jesus. Come on, church, our teenagers need Jesus. And this is why it matters that we talk about it as a church because even if you don't have kids, we need you to pray and, and to notice and see. And if you've had kids, we need you just to keep on praying and modeling. If you've got kids, we're with you and you need to keep on praying and going. So Jesus, uh, jo- Joshua is issuing this final call for a decision and he's not speaking in private. He's saying for this publicly. I need everyone to know this is how I'm gonna do it because he's making a decision about how I lead my household matters above all. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That word serve is the word, I've said this before, but you've got to hear it again, is that word abad. That word abad means to cultivate. So it's like cultivating soil. It's like preparing soil for a seed to go in. So what he's saying is, in the environment of my home, we're going to have a soil for the Lord. We're going to have an environment in, in your home. Have we cultivated an environment of worship? That's what it is to serve the Lord. 
Do we have an environment of speaking life? Do we have an environment of blessing others? Do we have an environment of loving His church? Do we have an environment of encouragement? And that word, that word uh, uh, cultivate comes from the original word colo. It's the same word where we get the word culture. What it means is I need to have a culture of the Lord, of the Spirit of God, of worship, of the word of encouragement. I choose to have a culture in my house of the Lord. They say this around culture. You've heard me say this before. There's three, uh, there's three ways people view culture. Some people make things happen because every home has a culture. Every marriage has a culture. Every business has a culture. Every church has a culture. And people either make that culture, they make things happen, they watch things happen, or they say, what happened? Yeah. And I don't wanna get to my kids one day and say, what happened? And I don't wanna watch what other people are doing with my kids and say, teaching my kids, I wanna make a culture, an environment of the Lord in my house, amen? Yeah. And it starts with me. What he's saying is it starts with me. He's saying, as for me, even right near his last breath, he's saying, I still set the culture in my home. I'm still setting up my kids and their future. By now, the kids are older, but he still takes responsibility for what's ahead of him. It starts with me. This is, this is why Paul says, therefore I urge you to be imitators of me. How we walk and talk and, and, and be around our kids and our family, they will follow you. In fact, we should urge them to, which should force us to live a lifestyle of devotion and worship and grace. Just saying, many of you have heard, what walks with fathers runs with children. What walks with fathers runs with children. What that means is, whatever you do well, they'll do more of. And whatever you do poorly, they'll do even more poorly. So if we love the house of God, they'll love it even more. But if we're lax with the house of God, they'll be even more lax with the house of God. Well, my, you meet my sons, you will t if you spend time with both my boys, you will have met me. In fact, we had a dream team here on Wednesday night. It was awesome. And this place was alive and filled with faith and, and we were praising God. And, and Shans was talking to someone that's joined our church recently, a wonderful person. And uh, they're a teacher in our school too. And, they, and they, I hadn't met her and she heard me share for the first time. And she said to Shans, after hearing your husband preach, I now understand Jackson. And I don't know if it was a compliment or not, but either way, what happened is she saw me for a moment and she understood my son because as I am, they will be. So let me encourage you in a few very important things. How is the Word in your home? Now you might not have kids yet, but while it seems so far away, it happens like that. And all of a sudden you've been out of school for 24 years and you're wondering where did the 25, Lord, where did the time go anyway? I digress. But you might be like, but the principles you have now, you'll one day look back and say, thank God I put them in place. So your kids, if your kids don't know you're in the Word, they, you may tell them to do devotion and do it with them, but whatever you do, they will follow, not just what you tell them to do. So for me, I leave my Bible open. <laughs> so when they get up, they know Dad's been reading. I get in the car and I play audio Bible so they hear it with me. And then I put on worship. So they, and it's, it's not worship I want, it's worship they want. It's worship I like, it's gonna be Planet Boom, it's gonna be their favourite Christian artist, it's whatever, because I want them to love worship. And, but the non-negotiable is when we get in the car on the way to school, the Word goes on. 
So I'm setting the culture of their spirit before they even go. And what, sometimes I think they're not listening, but then a week later, they ask a question about what that thing was about because they just choose on in their spirit. Can I say, do you have a culture of the Word in your home? I'm not questioning whether you read your Word. I pray you do. But if you have a parent, you have a responsibility to bring your child up in the Word. Deuteronomy 6 says, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. And it says this, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. It's not a suggestion, this one's a command. The Word of God isn't just for you. You now have a responsibility as a parent and grandparent to repeat it again and again and again and again. Uh, can I say, at the end of the day, the last thing I feel like doing, because I, I come home, I hang out with my kids, I put my phone down, we spend time. But when they're going to bed, it's at that point I'm exhausted and I need, I just need an hour with me and Shan's just to chill. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And it's at that point, the last thing I wanna do is lay next to my boys in their bed, sit next to them on the edge of their bed and talk. But you know when, I don't know what your kids are like, but for my boys, they are most awake when they're meant to go to sleep. And the most precious and special time for them is when they get to break the rules and stay up longer. So what Shaz has helped me to discover is that the very moment I wanna kiss, pray and walk out is the very time they will be still and listen to dad because they get to be awake longer. There is no better time to sit with your kids and open the word than in that moment, to talk about God in that moment. You just, whatever you do, sit with them, lay next to them, uh, whatever it is. And, and in that moment where you have their full attention and they can't escape, because if they do lights off, you get to just explore and ask questions and let them ask questions about God. And you know what? It's at the time where you want it for yourself the most. But can I problem when, when, the, when there'll be a day where you have more time for yourself and those kids won't be with you as much that you'll look back and go, those precious moments were everything. And I'm not there yet, but I'm right now. And, and my wife is so Awesome, she helps me with this so much that these moments matter, Josh. Go back in there and be with the kids. So as for you in your home, is the culture of the grandparents when they're there. Do you take those moments to speak life into them? I mean, I mean, sometimes, what about our words and how we prophesy over our kids? Again, for the more your child is like you, the more they'll frustrate you. It's true. So we fall in love with our partner because they're different to us. And then as we get longer and married, we get frustrated that they're different with us. And then we pray a kid that we can do things with that, that are just the things I love. And then they love the things that you love and they annoy you so much that you fight with them. That's how this goes. And then what happens is, is we then constantly tell them who not to be rather than prophesying who they're going to be. As parents, we need a discipline. That's a different conversation on a different podcast. But uh, I tell you, we're gonna talk about discipline because the Bible's really clear about this. However, can I say what the Bible speaks about a lot even more is prophesying life into them and speaking about their future and declaring who they're gonna be. Watch the words that come out of your mouth. Sometimes we're so busy telling them what not to do and who not to be, we've forgotten to tell them who they're going to be and how they can live. Are you with me today? A couple others and we'll finish, right? In prayer. Has the prayer around your home? Has, uh, I mean, can I just encourage you when it comes to prayer, let it not just be a God bless them, keep them, Amen. Teach your children to pray deliberate prayers at deliberate times. Well, I just, I, I not have it all together. I'm just talking about where my kids are. Because I'm not the guy to give all the parenting advice. My kids are 13 and nine and a half, nearly 10. Uh, he wants you to know. And, uh, but, because we do, we do grace at every meal. Yep. I wanna be clear. I don't think the food needs to be blessed. Yep. 
I think it's blessed. I also don't think we're blessing it because there's a chance someone poisoned us. Poisoned us. We're not in, in the dark ages anymore. There's some things that carry across for the wrong reasons. It's not because when it goes into my body, I'm gonna get sick. We pray because my boys fight over grace. Yeah. I let them fight over it uh, because they want to pray. And I've taught them in that moment, they're, they're praying for Murphy every single meal. They, uh, they're, they're praying for their grandparents. They pray for their friends. Tonight I'm taking, they're, they're going to a concert tonight. I'm skipping church, I never skip church, but I'm skipping tonight. I'm taking them to a concert. It's their favourite Christian artist in Melbourne. I'm flying out after this. It's their dream come true. I tell you, they have thanked God for that concert so many times. It's ridiculous, right? Uh, they, uh, they, they, they pray, help me at school. They pray for their basketball. By the time, we're, I'm just ready to eat. Sometimes I'm like, just can we wrap the prayer up? But we're creating moments of intentional conversation with God because we can just go, oh, it's just a throw up prayer. Don't no, change it. At nighttime, we have a prayer. We pray, but they pray. Often, the next one will pray and they'll run into each other's rooms and they'll be there for the prayer because they're learning to pray together. How good if we can teach our kids to not just pray, but pray out loud? In the car, I pray for them. They don't wanna pray in the car, ever, because they don't wanna go to school. They don't want God to bless it. They want God to make them sick so they can have a day off. It doesn't work that way. So I don't let them pray for it. But in all the other moments, we pray for them. And can I tell you what we do? When we get breakthrough, we had a massive one. I'll tell you about this breakthrough next week. I'll do the first week of promises and Tony will teach the next two. Uh, but we got a massive breakthrough the other day. The moment we heard it, we pulled over to the side, we stopped and we said, God gave us this blessing, let's thank Him. And every one of us prayed. Uh, what we're doing is, I'm not perfect. I, I, I mean, there are much better parents to model parenting off than we are. But can I say, every moment matters. And I either bring God into those moments because I'm cultivating an environment for the Lord or I'm hoping that the kid's pastor does it in one of the 40 hours of the year. We're with him a lot more. Be deliberate. What about his presence and the keys can come? What about his presence? Again, if we're we're ho-hum about bringing them to church, your kids will be even more ho-hum. They're not gonna do something better than us when we're poor with it. But I've noticed with parents that have brought their kids to church every week, those kids become youth leaders and kids leaders and kids pastors and school captains. I mean, do you know how many school captains we've had in our church and sport captains? Just because people bring them into an environment where the presence of God is on them and in them and around them, that they then go into their world and they succeed. But what about your home? Again, I'm just saying things I do and eat the fruit, spit out the pips. I set an alarm on my phone that's connected to our sound system that every morning, about 15 minutes before I want my kids up, worship place through the entire house every day. It wakes up our home every morning. Why? Because I want them to wake up in an environment that sets the culture of their spirit. Now I thought originally it would help wake them up. Nothing wakes them up. But when they wake up, the scene's already set. And they might even hear it, but their spirit's hearing it. Proverbs 13, 22 says, good people leave an inheritance for their grandchildren. It ain't just about our kids, it's about our kids' kids. Because what walks with fathers runs with children or what runs after that? And so often we're so busy thinking about the next house, the next investment, the next bit of money, because I've got to set an investment for my kids. There's one that's greater than financial, one that's greater than property. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. So maybe going to what happens if on our deathbed's a little morbid. So let's talk about, for a moment, and just do this with me. For, 
What about the day your kid leaves home? Let's go there. And maybe you're not even thinking about getting a relationship, but let's go there. And for grandparents, maybe you're thinking about your grandkids today, they move home. And, and maybe for those that aren't having kids and you're an auntie, your uncle, we'll think about your nieces and nephews. So let's think about the moment your kids leave home. I want you to imagine that moment for a moment. What's it like? Is it a joyous leaving or a sad leaving? Is it a celebration that they're ready? Or are they going? Do we hug? Do we kiss? Do we thank God and bless Him for this privilege? Are we more excited about getting the room back? I mean, what are they taking with them? I don't mean in the suitcase they stole from you, because they will. But what do they know about themselves? What do they know about life? What do they know about God? What do they know about, do, are they taking with them a prayer life and a devotional life that goes beyond my home? What about their walk with Jesus? We can't leave it to chance. Can I say, you are not alone, which is why he places you in a tight-knit community. Youth pastors, youth leaders, I need you right now. Kids helping my youngest in kids' church, I need you right now. But while I need you, ultimately, I am responsible. So somebody is gonna discipline, discipline, disciple. Someone's gonna discipline my son. That's me, mate. But uh, someone's gonna disciple my son. It's me or someone else, but either way, whoever culture. And someone's gonna teach my, not mine, but your daughter wisdom. A future daughter-in-law. Can't wait. Someone's teaching her what value to put on her mind and body and thoughts. You or someone else. I make things happen, I watch things happen, or I go, what happened? But as for me in my house, I'm gonna have a culture that cultivates in the soil for the Lord. It's either gonna be us in this community or the world. Your kid's gonna be someone. Your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, they're gonna be someone. And the character will be formed by someone. And we get the privilege and responsibility to say, God, I partner with you to shape them. As for me and my house, and as for me and my church, we're gonna serve the Lord, amen? Our family and the next generation that are coming up in this house. So the team can come, because we, we wanna be fun. But more than that, they need truth. And we want them to have things, but more than that, they need to be blessed. And we want them to have good grades, but more than that, they need eternity and eternal reward. And we want them to have success, but more than that, they need to have favour. And we want calm in our home and rest and put them to bed, but more than that, they need peace in their spirits. And we want to be their friends, but more than that, they need a future. That is for someone today, care about their future more than a friendship right now. We want them to have healthy bodies, but more than that, they need to have a transformed mind. And we want them to have emotional, resilience, but even more than that, they need a renewed spirit. And He has entrusted you, He has empowered you, and He has given you them, and God sees you. A single parent, weary and exhausted and wondering how to take the next step. He is El Roy. He is the God who sees. He is your ever-present help in a time of need. But He didn't put a business around you or even just relatives around you. He put the church around you to support and walk with you. And we're there, but you're gonna make it. You're gonna do it in Jesus' Name. And for those that have kids away from God, I 
pray, I never know it, but it's a reality for so many. And whether we look back and go, I wish I did it different, I did everything I could. You have to know this today, they are still His kids and He is Elroy, He still sees them. They're never far from His sight, far from His heart. And it is never too late to be and love in every chance that God gives us. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what, the past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer, or you wanna know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.